And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. I was just thinking about how for like a full year of doing this, I would not look at my audacity while I was recording <laughs> and not keep it open. <laughs> just got lucky. I was not happy when you got lucky that, that every time, time. Uh, well, it, all, it worked every time. Never had a problem. I, I know it. Did. So, that, that's uh, the, you know, crisis averted. Yeah. Now I, now I keep it up so I can see my levels. I have a ginormous cup of coffee. Sick. Did you say yuck? I said sick. Oh, sick, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gonna try to use all 90s slang jargon catchphrases. Yeah, talk talk like a Kevin Williamson character? That is exhausting to do. It's so rad. Okay, rad is like the 80s. People were saying (laughs) rad in the 90s. Come on. That is. I don't know. I know. I feel like Rad's kind of back, but uh, that is uh, that is too retro even for that. Okay. Ready? Yep. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we sometimes watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Dylan Clare. And we have another uh, Nick List week due to scheduling circumstances, so... Just one more episode break, I think, until we get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Maybe we have this. We have end of the year stuff. Um, but Nick will be back. We will get back on the uh, the great movies. We got some really good stuff coming up. But until that time, I have commandeered control of the podcast to discuss some movies that I consider to be great. Uh, timing out with the recent uh, drop of the new Scream movie onto VOD together with all five Scream movies on Paramount Plus, uh, sitting in one spot to watch them all. Um, Very which, lucky for that. To I know. To each one for like <laughs> three bucks all. and I have a $20 <laughs> movie bill. Uh, we're talking the Scream franchise. Scream's one through Scream again in 2022, which I will be calling Scream 5 for uh, clarity's sake during this podcast. That movie gets docked points for just being called Scream. Yeah, I mean. Come on. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it specifically in the context of, you know, horror trends. But, like, I mean, it's how mm-hmm. I, bl- I blame Halloween, I guess. Like, yep. you know, what are, what are we doing? Whoever decided that was an acceptable thing to just call movies. I mean, if it's a remake, it's a remake. But if it is a sequel in the same universe chronology and you call it the same thing, what but are you what doing? But what if it's a requel? I mean, God, we'll talk about requels as well. Um, if it's a legacy, I, I just like how between legacy equal and requel, they land on requel, but it's like it's not a remake. Anyway, um, we will get to Scream 5. But we're going to just talk today about really sort of the entire series, so probably not get into too much depth on anyone. There will be spoilers throughout, just in case anyone hasn't seen any of these movies yet and doesn't want to know who the killers are or what the twists are or the big reveals. Um, So putting that right out front, uh, we will be spoiling all of these movies, even though we won't be going through them plot point by plot point. Um, And just to give a little context, we are coming to this from this being one of my favorite 
horror franchises and Dylan being a relatively newbie to this entire universe. So yeah, true uh, noob. <laughs> talk I've a seen one. Yeah, so talk a little bit. Talk a little bit about yeah, when, when you saw one and then your experience of coming back to the series. I saw one long enough ago that I thought Drew Barrymore was Sidney Prescott's mom. <laughs> okay, okay. So you thought And I always couldn't figure out how that made sense. So you sort of you remembered that Sidney had a dead mom. And so you, I know in your head, had a dead mom. In your head, you thought, okay, in that opening scene, we see her mom get killed, and then it, like, jumps ahead 20 years or something. Or I yes. guess not 20 years, like 15 years or something. Okay, I mean, I, I that would make sense as something they could no, have done. No, it wouldn't make sense, because well. Drew Barrymore is a high school kid, and it would have had the to, killer, it would like, have had, Oh, killed. I see what you mean, because the killer killed both. You're right, that doesn't make <laughs> Okay, I was giving the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, but no, that doesn't make sense. But, you know. No, it doesn't. And I, I knew that didn't make sense going into it, but I was like, I swear Drew Barrymore is Sidney Prescott's mom, because the mom is dead because of the killer or whatever. The mom was dead to begin with. But as always with the Scream movies, it's just like, we'll give you someone completely random. Yes. And we will kill them. Yep. That's what they do. Yeah. Almost always. Until almost always. the new one. Um, or almost always a random person until con- uh, Cotton. Oh, Cotton, I know. That's That was, to me, that's like one of my favorite parts about Scream 3 is like... Oh, it was fantastic. What a move when it opens with Cotton and you're thinking, oh, well, I guess they're really going to change how they... Oh, no. Mm-mm. Uh-oh. Nope, nope. Cotton's <laughs> He's <fucked>. doomed. <laughs> he is doomed. Um, so you saw... I mean, you must have been really... Well, I guess I was also really young when I saw the first Scream movie, but you must have been pretty young in high school. It. Okay. I saw it <sighs> at a... So it came out in 1996. Birth year. Woo, I know. I did think about that. I was like, wow. Okay, so we're, this came out the year you were born. I saw it shortly after it came out at a slumber party. Um, and I remember um, being out with my at some party with my parents and all of their friends. I hadn't seen it yet. And all the adults were talking about it. Like, the adults had gone to see this movie and were like they'd ask, they were asking me if I'd seen it, and I was like, no, I, I don't, you know, I don't really want to, I don't like to watch scary movies. Um, and they were like, oh, but it's so funny, like it's so clever. Um, and then, and that was when it was in the theaters. And then the next year, probably right before, so right around the time Scream Two was coming out, I watched Scream at a slumber party, and everybody was just absolutely terrified, like. <laughs> Because we would have been 12-ish, probably. Yeah. Um, and so it was, I was probably 12 or close to 13. Um, and it was super fun. And everybody was like just, you know, 10, like 12 or 13-year-old girls. Absolutely loved it. But we were so scared. <laughs> like, that's what I remember the most about it. But I really wanted to see it because this was when Scream 2 was coming out. And I really wanted to see Scream 2 because Buffy was in it. So that was like my entire motivating factor. Buffy's was... in it for like three mm-hmm. minutes, but okay. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's just a good scene. Um, but yeah, when I scene. was that age, I don't care if Buffy had a, if Sarah Michelle Gellar had or anyone from the Buffy cast like had a non-speaking role, I would have watched it. And so since I wanted to see Scream Two, I had to go back and watch Scream One. And then I saw Scream Two, um, and then Scream Three would have been the first one I saw in the theater. Because I was okay. 15 when that one came out. So I had to, like, buy a ticket for something else and sneak in. 
Um, and then that didn't sit so well with me. <laughs> and I never <laughs> saw Scream 4 until um, a few months ago. And then obviously Scream 5 just came out. So um, it's been a it's been a long journey since then. But I have seen Scream 1 and Scream 2, I mean, like 20 times each, conservatively. So those movies I know inside out. You'll probably have more caught you know you've seen scream three and scream four like in the past 24 hours <laughs> so mm, three no okay just like a couple yeah. days ago yeah so you kind of sat down and marathoned all of these this week what, what was that like going through this huge period of time spanning 25 years uh in your like five days of watching all these movies I will say it's very noticeable that the first three are connected mm-hmm. and the last two are disconnected, even though Craven still directs Scream Four. Four. Yeah. It's it, so it, different. It feels not of a piece with the other three. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, there's, a, there's a line in Scream Four about how, like, the first three are canon based on the real, yeah. you know, real Sydney, and then she threatened to sue, and so then they <laughs> had to start making stuff up after that. So, like this entire series, um, it lampshades absolutely everything that you could ha- have to say about the context of these movies. It is not um, not subtle about no. any of this stuff. Um, so, just to give a little, I want to put a little bit of context around sort of this, the evolution of this series. Because like you said, they came out, They you have one through three which is its own thing, and then four is its own thing, five is its own thing. Um, what's going to be fascinating is I can't wait to see what six is like, because six, they're rushing into production right now. It's going to be really? like, yep, already, it's, it's already been screamed. Six has already been ordered. They're, they're like already getting it in pre-production. They want to have it out like next year, basically. They want to do like what they did with Scream 1 and Scream 2, where they were like 11 months apart. So they are, because it made a lot of money, um, despite coming out like in the middle of omicron and everything it did really well and so i can't wait to see what's that what that is like because we really had these three that came out all at once then nothing for 11 11. years and then nothing for another 11 years and so this will be the first time since the original trilogy to have a sequel that's going to be right in line with the uh, one that came before it but I I'm think, assuming it will take Tara and Sam. Presumably. Yeah. Yeah. I, and sort of be like their trilogy. I th- Well, I, th- I think they'll keep most of it. I think they'll keep Tara and Sam, and I think they'll keep um, Mindy and her brother, the Meeks. Sure. Um, because, it's, one, uh, I feel like Mindy Meeks was like a really big breakout character, and that actress, Jasmine Savoy Brown, is like, she's in yellow jackets and like she's really popping oh. in a lot of stuff. So I, I, she's, I didn't know her. Yeah, she's but like she, really breaking out this year. She was so uh, noticeable. I'm trying to think of the right word, but like she just was like immediately one of the main screen presences mm-hmm. of, the, of that cast in Screen 5 that I was like, oh, she's got to be the killer. Like, <laughs> sure. She, she is like eating up these scenes so mm-hmm. well and like really just like has so much like charisma and interest that i was like this person's gonna be like oh this is the killer and then spoilers for scream five but like it turned out to be just amber and i was like i don't know you're just kind of there i didn't really have anything to do with you so what's funny to me about the and the the scream five killers and we'll just jump right into this is that um one so it's um 
it's Richie, the the boyfriend played by uh, Jack. That Wade. one I called. I, I thought right. it was Richie, oh, and Dewey. I thought it was the first time Dewey meets him. Dewey's like, "Oh, it's him." Yeah, he's your love interest. But it's him. As we and like, talk about red red herrings. It's like right, yeah, they're trying to make it too obvious, right? And then it circles back around. Like it's like but it can't be this so... guy, and then it just is that guy. Um, and yeah. it's poor. Um, I didn't write down her name. Uh, the girl who plays Amber, Mikey, Mikey Madison, I think is her name. She ch- she just looks so creepy. <laughs> like, she just has a creepy <laughs> face. And she's, you know, the only other thing I've seen her in as, as the uh, Manson girl who gets absolutely brutally uh, lit on fire oh, yeah. and murdered in Once Upon yeah, a Time. Yeah, it's the to same the, thing that happens to her. Like, to the point where I think it's a reference. Like, I, you know, this movie... It has like, to be a reference. It, literally, she, like, <laughs> once she's, like, on fire and flailing around in a kitchen, I'm like, oh... Right. It's like the same thing that happens. But she's just she just has a creepy vibe. And so that's kind of what I saw her. I was like, oh, is it just her? She's creepy. But again, I thought maybe that was like a, a fake out of some kind. And yeah. so that's, you know. So um, one thing I wanted to sort of mention up front is the, the biggest difference between Scream, uh, you know, between Scream and I think almost any other horror franchise that I can think of is the fact that it is a whodunit. That it's not like Michael Myers yeah. is back. It's not like, you know, Freddy Krueger is back. It's just poor Sydney in this poor town and are <laughs> just getting constantly terrorized by um, horrible murderers who put on the same costume, which makes it like the least realistic thing in the world. But I like it as making it distinct from other horror franchises that you have this whodunit element. Um, and it's not just like some unkillable supernatural force or whatever it's, yeah it's I, people I with like different how... and with different motivations each time yeah i also like um just talking about how it's like this isn't like some supernatural force like mm-hmm. i don't know in leatherface in texas chainsaw it's it, it's not like he's a supernatural right. being, yeah i mean technically but... michael myers isn't well Michael Myers is in some movies. That's but debatable. The good Michael but... Myers, the good Michael Myers movies. He's not a supernatural force. <laughs> but they're all. Um, I don't know. There's some like element of like hyper realism yes. or like perfection yeah. or. Whereas ghost I mean, ghost face is always like slipping and falling or running into yeah, things. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting to. <laughs> yeah. right? Like. He'll run around a corner and just like slam into a wall and just yeah. like, oh shit! You, 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 like... <laughs> totally, yeah. He'll you can you can actually kind of like get around him and like push him down and yeah. he'll have to like like it is it's clearly people, which is something that I like a lot about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you were saying, even like because like Leatherface flails around, but like it, it's 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 different. It's more it's... of the it's more of the Michael and Jason like I'm just a big brute like coming for you and like yeah you know and freddy right or who can get and like those guys will get shot 18 million times and come back like uh freaking ghost face or whoever your killer ends up being like no they get they get pretty hurt (laughs) like it's not you know you don't really end up with that sort of um yeah like you said it's quasi supernatural this is you can't like a real suspension of disbelief like just heightened you know killer this is it's not realistic realistic but it feels more like you know real world as close as it could be in a movie um but one of the things i wanted to mention was in terms of the original scream sort of where this series came from um i just want to do a quick rundown of what was happening in 
slasher movies in the 90s. Um, <laughs> put that on the it's a real, it's a real nadir. Um, it's a real low point for pretty much all of the slashers when Scream comes around, um, which is basically what allows it to exist as sort of like winking at the genre. Because uh, Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, 1993, one of many final Jasons. <laughs> it was not the final <laughs> Jasons. Um, and then tellingly Wes Craven's new nightmare 1994 yeah. which was sort of him putting for the time being anyway um the nightmare on elm street freddy krueger saga sort of to a close with this insanely meta like take on it um and then 1995 the curse of michael myers the absolute worst <laughs> halloween movie that's out there it's unwatchably bad i was out in santa monica california yesterday and saw a guy walking around in a curse of michael myers t-shirt like i think ironically like graphic t big curse of michael myers um they did not ask him but that jumped out at me and then texas chains that's Massac- not halloween h2o right no no, no that, that's halloween h2o that's in that's post scream halloween h2o gets made in the vein of scream it's all wb stars at a boarding school so then, okay. yeah, Halloween H2O comes out in, like, 98 and is like, oh, Scream made horror movies cool again. Let's do that instead. No, Curse of Michael Myers is Paul Rudd, and it's all about, like, ancient runes and how Michael is like the demonic creation of a cult. Yeah, it's not good. Um, <laughs> don't recommend. Um, and then 95 also had Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, um, which is, I believe, like the Matthew, is the Matthew McConaughey one. I haven't watched sure. that one. Um, but just these these horror movies, horror genres from the 80s were really floundering by the early to mid 90s. Um, and so Scream came about, written by Kevin Williamson. Originally, I believe, if I remember the story correctly, um, John it was offered to John Carpenter, who was like, no, thank you. I'm a grouchy old man. I'm not going to do this. Good. Um, <laughs> I don't think you'd have been a good fit for it. No, I agree. It would have been something very different. His, his like, like sense of humor. I mean, he makes very funny movies, but oh, in a yeah. very different way than Wes Craven does. Um, and so Wes Craven comes on, makes this movie. Um, I got to say, it was a real trip a couple years ago when I finally went and watched the original, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, like, mm-hmm. so much of the vibe and, like, the girl and the house and, like, the suburbs. And I'm like, oh, this is, like, very, like, s- straight influenced on Scream in a way even more than I had realized, even though it should be super obvious. Um, mm-hmm. But so Wes Craven comes on to make it. Kevin Williamson, the screenwriter, um, would sort of go on from here to be famous for his very quippy, um, like, hip teen dialogue. Um, it sort of became its own, like, thing that people would make fun of. Um, but it was just this huge hit. And it allowed this movie to come out and talk about the rules of horror movies and, you know, have things like, you know, don't say I'll be right back. And um, yeah. the world was just ready for this. Um, and then it was such a huge breakout hit that we got, like you said, Scream 2 and Scream 3 right afterwards. And then laid fallow for a little while after that um and then when scream scream 4 came around 11 years later in 2011 this was when we were really in the like 
let's try all of this again situation with slashers. We just had Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, and then Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween 2. The Friday the 13th yeah. remake was in 09. The Nightmare on Elm Street remake was in 2010. And so then now it's time for Scream to come back. And I got to say, I'm glad they at least kept it in continuity and did not do like a total reboot remake. Yeah, yeah. Um, kept my girl Sydney around, kept uh, the universe going as is. Gail and, and Dewey. Gail and Dewey. Um, and then sat fallow basically for another 11 years, unfortunately, until after Wes Craven had passed away um, and brought on for the first time new writers, new directors to make Scream 5 2022, um, which is, of course, as this movie is not shy about telling you, coming out in the age of legacy sequels, requels, <laughs> um, including elevated horror, elevated horror, including the Halloween 2018 Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends situation we've got going on, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that ended up coming out right like within the same month as this one. Um, no Freddy and Jason movies because there's like wild legal battles going on over those rights. But if those ever get freed from like legal battles, I'd be really curious to see what someone tries to do with those franchises in a modern context. Um, yeah. But it, the franchise itself really works as a way to track basically what's happening in horror in overall, horror. yeah, over yeah. the past 25 years, which I think is really, really cool. Um, but yeah, it must have been a trip for you watching that all in one. <laughs> it was like time traveling through a 25 oh year God. span. Like, what the whip? I can't imagine the whiplash of going, yeah, straight from the first three to Scream 5 uh, in such a short time period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one might have been in 24 hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've talked a bunch. What were sort of your overall thoughts as you went on this this series journey i will say by the end it got a little monotonous <laughs> sure i mean that's a lot to watch and then that's a lot of ghost face just talking it's through, just it, a, through lot a voice of <laughs> yeah yeah that's a lot of phone calls from ghost face that's fair they, they've all sort of blended in and i'm trying to remember as we're talking mm-hmm. um what happened in which especially sure. four and five yeah uh, um i mean yeah um yeah, those are, yeah, I, I can, especially because four, well, four and five are, yeah, because they're the, the two that bring on the youths, the, the new young people, young mm-hmm. cast, um, and really have, in both instances, Sydney, like, returning to Westboro and sort of, you know, oh, you know, so no longer, well, I do like that by four and five, Poor, poor Sydney is just like not still being hunted and stalked by people dressed up as Ghostface. You know, it's like, it's it's like, like the Ghostface killers have moved on, and now you know Sydney's still involved because it started with her. But it's not just like Ghostface following her like all over the country, just yeah, like yeah. hassling her. She still comes back and inserts herself in the situation. But um, although I, the whole point of Scream Four is to kill Sydney, still yeah, it is to lure her. I didn't. That back, was my but. least favorite killer reveal. Okay, I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I mean, it also feels like the commentary in that one that is supposed to sort of be like the, you know, I don't know. Like, if it's supposed to be about, like, a, the attention economy or something. Like, it's yeah, sort of 2011. Yeah. It's, like, early, like, Twitter, internet. And, you know, you have this killer who just wants to be the center of attention, basically, who feels yeah. overshadowed by her but she's, cousin. She wants to be the center of attention by being the victim. Mm-hmm. She yeah. wants to be, like, the hero that makes it out. She wants to be the final just, girl, basically. Like, she's yeah. trying to, like, create herself. 
much. <laughs> Though I will say, um, I I do like Emma Roberts's performance, like especially like at the I very end very when good. she goes like full psychotic at the end, and you're just like, oh my just god, die, you fucking bitch! Like she just like yeah. By the time they're at the very end, I think, and she's just yeah, fully flown off the handle. Um, it's not my favorite either, but um, I I think that is is really funny. Yeah, Scream 4 is... 3 would be the other one was like, come on. Yeah, come on. yeah. Scream 3, we talked about this a little bit. I tried not to talk too much about it off mic, so we didn't... <laughs> so we had things to talk about here. But we talked a little bit about Scream 3, um, which you really liked, which is a little counter to yes. the conventional wisdom. Um, although, like I said, it totally has its defenders. Um, I think, you know, it's just at the... T- it's. I thought you'd have a hard time with it because of the, like, insane meta-ness of the actual, you know, we're on the stab set, movie in a movie, like, or did that just come all the way back around for you? (laughs) I really liked the idea there's this movie in a movie, there's these people that are acting as the doubles, and Mm -hmm. they're getting killed off instead of their actual characters. Um, I liked the literal mirror that the movie puts up Mm -hmm. a lot more than, say, the opening to screen four that's just, like, yeah. Oh, look, it's a movie and a movie and a movie. It makes me laugh every time. That <laughs> opening of Scream 4, I find very Especially funny. Especially the, um, the Anna Paquin. Oh, my God. Uh, when Kristen Bell just, like, stabs her. It's like, shut up and watch Out of nowhere. <laughs> What's, I was thinking about that. I rewatched that this morning. Because I couldn't quite remember, like, how the... This the morning, doll... it's it's not even coffee time. Oh, my God. It's been a long morning already. Uh, I, re- I rewatched a few different things uh, this morning. But I rewatched that. And the two things that jumped out at me were, one, like, how insanely glossy, like, soft and glossy the first, the opening one is that has the, with Sinead Grimes and Lucy Hale, where it's like, yeah. how, how could, like, this looks so, so, so fake. Even for, like, a Scream movie, this looks ridiculous. And then, <laughs> and then when it comes to Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell, and I haven't heard Anna Paquin not with her American act, like, using her real accent in such a long yeah. time, that it, I first, I'm like this looks like Anna Paquin, but she's talking funny. And I'm like, oh no, that's just Anna Paquin do like speaking in her regular New Zealand voice. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I, I love, I do like that little bit. Um, and then you're not, you've never seen Friday Night Lights, right? I've seen episode one. Okay. So the, 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 show that to the me. girl uh, who ultimately gets killed, the real sort of Drew Barrymore type girl in, in, in Scream 4, um, that's Amy T. Garden, and she's from Friday Night Lights. And so, like, I like her. Who does she play? She's Coach's daughter. Um, oh. Yeah. She, she's, yeah. I uh, Something Taylor. I'm blanking on her name right now. But, um, yeah, she's one of the main cast members throughout the whole series of Friday Night Lights. Um, and so I was like, oh, that's nice for her. Like, also, like, what a 2011 flashback. I remember <laughs> when she was, like, a thing. Um, but, yeah, that... That opening is really pushing the bounds of, I feel like, what Scream can do. But she's like, if Stab 6 is the opening of Stab 7, and then once you start getting into all that. And then Scream 5 has the Stab 8 joke about Ryan Johnson, yeah. but nobody liked it. And so now they're going to go in a different direction. Ugh. Yeah. It's, uh... I, I, I dislike those like little quippy dialogue jokes more than I like. I really like the sort of, we're making the movie. Right. And the movie is now. Right. And the sort of blending of the two. And I was like, this is Souvenir Part 2. Got you. Yeah, sort of that, like you said, holding a mirror up and doing the, yeah, story 
within the story. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then Scream 3 is uh, completely undone by its, like, pretty terrible ending. <laughs> yeah, Just... the first two-thirds of Scream 3, I was like, is this my favorite? And then the last third, I was like, I don't think it's my favorite. Yeah. But... It's... in. I kind of like that they that it has a single killer, you know. Me mix too. It up. And I like that, that was it was different. a director. I think, even though it was obvious, that was the best choice for it. But like the the you... whole your mom was raped by the producer, and it's but then it's like an I'm your half brother, and yeah, it's, it's just like and also there's a little bit of the like, you know that the you know the. I'm the freaking Blofeld. I'm the architect of all your pain or whatever from when they tried to. Yeah, that, it really is that, right? It's really sort of like trying to do that terrible thing that Bond did where it's like, no, all along. Like, I know. I know about this. That's the worst, yeah. Even even the whole I'm your half-brother thing, it's sort of like, okay. Yeah, yeah movies do that all the time. You know, you're, you're putting <laughs> it up to the studio system and being like, there's these evil people that the most evil people are sort of the ones controlling the movies in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. I mean, ironically, it's, it's, this I, is made by the Weinstein. I was going to say it's up. it's absolutely insane that that you have this sort of very blatant like Harvey Weinstein figure, and this is when it was yeah. still a Weinstein company movie. It's not anymore, thank God. Well, that doesn't exist anymore, but yeah, it still was, which was crazy. Yeah, and so at that point, I'm like, okay, there's some thematic idea here, and yeah, then when it goes to like everything was might. Doing. Yeah, it's I've like, been pulling these strings. I kind of just like d- discount that. It's <laughs> like, okay, buddy, whatever. I try not to like think about that too much because I'm like, that's too too ridiculous even for this movie. Um, I mean, I like I like the sort of the ultimate end of Scream Three and that it lets you feel like Sydney's getting closure. Like I watched. Oh yeah, it. I thought it wrapped up all the character arcs really well. It, it, yeah, and then. You know, nothing's ever over, so we got to bring everybody back and and make that, them all. That was one of my biggest frustrations with Scream Four. Is Scream Three ends with this sort of just like, Sydney's just like, the worry's gone. It she's has that really behind. nice it's... grace note when she's like in her house and the doors open and she kind of just like shrugs and walks away and you're just like, oh, Sydney, you're at peace. And no. But then in Scream Four, she's on like a book tour and she's I'm just like, no, no, just yeah. And then in Scream like, 5. Like, do it the way Scream 5. Scream 5 is more like, just, you know, like, she's just out there and living. And... Question for you. So in Scream 5, she's, like, married and has kids, like, which they sort yes. of, which it makes sense. It's been, like, 10 years or whatever and, you know, very happy for her. They don't really tell us anything about who she's married to or has kids with or whatever. She does say her husband's name is Mark at one point when she's, like, Mark has the kids or something like that. Uh-huh. The only other Mark, and that, it's just like it's a very generic name, so that could just be a placeholder, and maybe they'll, in the next movie, we'll find out who it is, or maybe it doesn't matter. But there is one character in the series we've met whose first name is Mark, and it's... um. I don't remember. P- Patrick Dempsey's detective character from Scream 3. Oh, yeah. His name's Mark. That'd be interesting. That would be interesting, right? And, like, I don't know how that would track since, like, Scream 4 happens in the middle, but, um, you know, like, I could see Patrick Maybe Dempsey being her, you know, husband in this universe. I just thought I, I didn't even, Patrick Dempsey, so. I didn't even catch that. And then I was listening to another podcast talking about it. And they were like, oh, Mark. And I was like, oh, yeah. His name's generic enough that it's not like it could also just be a random person. But um, I, do, I do think Scream 3 has my favorite cast as well. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. Lance Harrickson. Yeah, he's so good. Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. Emily Mortonmore, Parker Posey. Yeah, Parker. Um, I mean, Parker Posey alone is just like. Oh my God, she is amazing as other Gale. As as, uh, Jennifer Jolie, I believe is her character's name, which is also like an insanely meta joke. Like, um, because this would have been like, you know, height of Brad and uh, Jen. Well, and Emily Mortimer's character is named Angelina Tyler. Oh, yeah. Man, they're just really. uh, Angelina, Jolie. Man, Jennifer. Yeah, they're they're real cute about it (laughs) in in these movies with these names. Well, like. In the... that, even, even most of all, real MVP, mm-hmm. real uh, gets like three minutes on screen and then is murdered. But mm-hmm. Patrick Warbert. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As just like some security dude. Right. He's really good. He's fucking mauled. Did you. So I was going to ask you of the five cold opens, which we, we talked a little bit about them, but which one's your favorite? I think I know, but which one's your favorite? Okay. I, ha- I have a ranking. Okay. Great. Let's do it. Okay. Two. Mm-hmm. So, so that's your favorite. That's your favorite. It's yes, from Scream Two. So that's the, the lots j- of my favorite things are in Scream Two. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that your your extremely correct opinion that Scream Two is the best. It really movie. is. It's, I mean, I think and it's- the start of it being like in this theater where everyone's a ghost face God, and, and the, the D'Angelo songs playing and like oh, oh my God Woo. and also and it's like it when it opened and I saw Omar Epps and Jada Pickett Smith I was like. No! You're like, I want the movie to be about them. No! <laughs> yeah. Like, I knew they were in this movie. It's like, no, I want them the whole movie. Because they're yeah. like, especially in 97, like, mm-hmm. Omar Epps is like, behind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, what, what is Jada Pickett-Smith doing Yeah, in, in 97? 97, that's a good question. Um, she was definitely, like, obviously, like, really famous um, to be doing that. Um this would have been after she had been in the Matrix sequels. Um, what was she doing around? I will tell you. Da, da, da. Oh, she had just been in Set It Off. Um, oh, so yes. She was, yeah, she was like, this was like a real hot like, time for We were catching yeah. these both people like two years post like a huge breakout. Right, because she'd been like, she'd been in Menace to Society, Jason's Lyric, Demon Knight, The Nutty Professor, but then '96 is set it off, and so she was really exploding right then. Yeah, yeah, and she's not in a lot of Menace to Society. Yeah. So that's right before the Matrix sequels, not right after the Matrix sequels. I'm bad at years, so yeah, she would, yeah. she would go on to do that next. But yeah, so she just yeah yeah that was a, a good time. And um, yeah, like you're in a theater with everyone like cheering on this violence and. They're all in ghost face masks. That was one of my favorite shots. It's just us in like a POV of the screen looking at the theater. Yep. And Jada Pickett-Smith just like lying there dying. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. That image like has literally it's stuck horrifying. with me for 25 years. I can picture her face. And like, and then when it cuts back and most of the people in the audience are still like, you know, freaking out, excited. And it starts showing some people realizing what's happening and like the, like yes. the horror and terror on their faces. And, oh, God. and she like goes in and goes onto the, the theater, like in where front the screen, of the screen. It, she becomes like in the movie mm-hmm. and like, she falls over dead. Everyone's like, Oh yeah. fuck. Yep. So <laughs> this isn't as fun as we thought it was. Yeah. And meanwhile, you are watching your, the recreation of the opening of scream with Heather Graham yes. in the oh my uh, God. Drew Barrymore Heather role. Graham doing the Drew Barrymore right. stuff is and they, amazing. You get a little like red right hand in the opening there. And then um, of course they What's add. What's your favorite red right hand needle drop? 
Oh, God. I, I tried to think about it, and I don't know if I ever landed on one. I really do like how they use it there, because that's sort of your first clue. You're like, oh, this is kind of the unofficial theme of this series. Like, they're going to just yeah, yeah. keep coming back to it. Um, it plays... Where did I just hear it? It plays at the end of four also like a weird cover of it. there's a couple weird cover versions they throw in as well um but bad choice just keep nick cave there. i i agree <laughs> um because yeah the one cover they like, i don't know about this um oh but i'll I, give props to scream five i think scream five did it so well oh uh, yeah when stumacher's like nephew is like peed and then like there's a car and Yep, yep. It's like you start hearing the music and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, you're and then like, there's no one in the car. And he turns the car off and then the music stops. And you're yeah. like, oh my god, that was like. It's like, uh, it's like diagetic music. It's like in yeah, the car. Yeah, it's diagetic music. Yeah, I think that's And then the like best it cuts version. to behind him and there's Ghostface and the music kicks back in. Yeah. That that was probably my favorite. I'll give some props to Scream Five. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I really liked Scream Five quite a bit. Um, I did too, but I think most of my two, like favorite but... things will be in the first three. Oh, sure, so sure, sure. I'll, I'll throw out a favorite. Throw to... out props for that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, but I was sorry. The last thing I was going to say about the opening of two also is that you know, and Jada Pinkett's character reference Jada Pinkett's character Maureen um, references it because you know, of course, now there's like a shower scene. Which is, you know, yeah. we, we don't do Drew Barrymore like getting in the shower, but of course, because it becomes a movie, now you have to have her getting in a shower and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the third movie does the shower in the opening. Yep, exactly. So it's all, yeah, it all, it all circles around on itself. So, oh, wait, is it the third movie? No, it's the fifth movie. The fifth movie does the shower. The, well, the fifth movie has a character, has, the West character takes a shower. In yeah, the fifth one. And the, because they literally cut from uh, someone saying the word "psycho" to a shot of the uh, water coming the, out the, of the shower head. <laughs> so they they yeah, literally yeah. they're like, "You're a psycho!" And then sorry, I watched that part this morning too. I was like, "Yeah, that's that's pretty good." I I, I don't I don't need them to be subtle in their uh, references. We'll we'll get to poor uh, doomed Wes, who I really like that sequence in Scream Five. Um, because it's all it's like a, almost a comical sequence when he's home alone and like every time he like opens a door or goes around a corner you get the like scary musical sting and it goes on for so long that it's practically <laughs> like sideshow bob stepping on rakes it's just like and he like opens a drawer and it's like <laughs> it's like there's nobody there until you know eventually uh Ghostface gets him, but there was an interesting moment in that scene where I was just like, "Okay, stop with fucking jump scares while you go around a corner and nothing's there." Like, I, I loved it. It's not it effective. And then I started being like, "Okay, they're doing this so yeah. much; it has to be a joke." Yes, yeah. That's that's the thing. Is it's one of those. It goes on so long that you're like, it's ridiculous. And you're like, oh, that's the point. Oh. Is that it's ridiculous. Um, we got wildly sidetracked. So if your favorite opening is Scream Two, then. What's I'm starting next? to realize it's actually just my actual movie rankings. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. Two and three, five, four. Okay. All right. I'm trying to think if I... I mean, I still think... I I think... I, I just... I don't know if I can say... I, as much as Scream 2 is my favorite of the series, that original Scream opening, like... Oh, it's good. It's just so like. But the Jada and Omar yeah. and the theater and it, I, it, I, I will literally fight you. I, no, I know, but like it's kind of hard to argue with like 
the or like the what's your favorite scary movie like the whole like like yeah it's yeah. what created this whole thing her insistence that it's jason when it's mrs Voorhees. Voorhees. um oh yeah and they they revisit obviously that becomes so much of um where the series goes scream from two. there well let's say in scream four uh they recreate the the steve the boyfriend tied up in the backyard with uh mm-hmm. rory yeah. culkin's character which i like and then pulls the trick where he gets freed and then reveals himself to be one of the killers that was another one where it's like that person is just so creepy it's gonna be him to be the killer <laughs> he was That's... a true stew marker of just like yeah you are too psychotic you to not be the killer so weird and creepy and then guess what you're the actual killer um yeah i do i do like rory that. was so good though right what yeah a king yeah i like that i think he's kind of the well him and um Hayden Panettiere as Kirby are the the highlights of of Scream Four, I think. Um, Hayden Panettiere is usually the highlight of like whatever she's in. I know, yeah. She's yeah. so good and just never got anything good. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, and she's like been through a bunch of stuff too. Cause I like every t- one of those people who yeah. you look up and you're like, whatever happened to her? And you're like, oh, nothing good. Like personal she, life. She problems. reminds me a lot of like Lindsay Lohan, where it's like this person really was like possibly the most talented actress of her generation, and just so much shit happened. Yeah, that never got to be. Yeah, it is true. Um, but yeah, so I think she's good. Malcolm in the Middle. No, not even sure I'm familiar with her work on Malcolm in the Middle. Have you seen Malcolm in the Middle? I've seen like little bits of it, but not not a whole bunch. Okay, a little bit. Nice, and I guess it's kind of of my time, but it was. Yeah, I, th- I thought for sure, like I would say that, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, so much." No, so I think it's a little bit past when I was would have been watching, but. Hmm. All right, so we talked cult opens. Um, I'm trying to kills think. kills. Um, or or I was going to ask I, you. I think there's I an obvious you, number one best well, kill. I was going to ask you. Well, we'll get. We'll I'll, we'll save that. So yeah, let's talk okay. kills. Um. What is your and I sort of I also I have kills which is like and separate from set pieces because there's a couple of like sure. really great scenes or set pieces I love that aren't necessarily the same as the best kill. Okay, um, so best like narrative sh- filmmaking mm-hmm. kills is still the opening of Screen Two, which I think is easily the best scene in the entire franchise. Okay. Um, best kill kill mm-hmm. is um, oh, what's her name? Is uh, putting Rose McCowan oh, yeah. in a doggy door and like it's both the least realistic and yet the most <laughs> iconic kill in the entire franchise. Like they never, they, yeah. I, I we were, literally we're talking about it. Uh, I was talking about it with Matt earlier today about how like that kill like really sticks with you. Like the getting in the doggy door and then basically I guess it's just so weird, right? It's also, that feels like a kill that would come in Scream Four where they're just trying right. to do like insane stuff. That's to, what's like, so crazy is that they throw it right at you and like in like that was such a huge deal when that movie came out. It's like you've got to see like th- like this kill. You've got to see what happens with the garage door and uh, super super iconic. Uh, I love Rose McGowan in that scene. Speaking of people who I think were pretty talented who. Uh, Yes. Went through some stuff and better best not to sort of talk about her current uh, state of things. But she's so funny in that scene. And then she's like trying to carry all the beer bottles. And, you know, she's like, ooh, scary Mr. Ghostface. And like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think she's so hilarious. Um, and then there's just no garage door on earth that would actually pull somebody up with that kind of strength. But it's fine. It is a. Uh, 
my garage door breaks just going up normally. Like Ex- that's exactly it. I'm like, and also one when she tries to get out from under it and it like closes. I'm like, my garage door that I had growing up, like if you were within one foot of it, it would like bounce back up and not close because it had like such yeah, yeah. a safety thing to not close on you. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, that is a a super good kill. I think that's a really good uh, answer. I'm trying to think if I have a. I don't have a better one, but like, what's another one that's super iconic? I'll throw out again, screwing too, but sure. I'll throw out Laurie Metcalf shooting the shit out of Timothy. Oh Oliphant. my god, she shoots him so many times, and then he still pops back up later. <laughs> when he pops back up and is like waving his arms in the air at the end, oh god, uh, it's, it's so hilarious. Yeah, no, she really. But, like, Laurie Metcalf in Pearls, like, just absolutely mm-hmm. murdering Timothy Oliphant. It's just one of the wildest things I think I saw in yeah. these five movies. I, yeah. Um, I do like, um, speaking of Scream 2, poor Randy, R.I.P. Um, like, that really, Kind of like, shocked me. Yeah. It was very shocking. And, like, his brutal killing, like, getting pulled into that van and then, like, yeah. everything shattering. And then when you see him and he's just, like covered in blood it is brutal um yeah but like i really thought well especially because i even said this to you when i finished scream one Mm -hmm. was like i don't know courtney cox and david arquette are in that movie a lot less than i remember just Mm -hmm. because like i feel like honestly maybe even just as much if not more than nev campbell i think of them having never like seen any of the other movies Mm -hmm. they just for some reason were burned into my head as like oh those are the main people from scream right and they were real supporting characters. Mm-hmm. And I so I took Randy that way as well. It's like, oh, Randy will go on Stick and around. be like, yeah. yeah. No. And uh, well, did that, not. Well, that was interesting. So after you watched the first screen, you made a comment to me about how like, David Arquette's barely in this. I kind of thought he was supposed to be like a big deal in this franchise. Um, so you would have really gone on a real journey with Dewey, too, by the time you get to Scream 5 and sort of the culmination of, of his journey, which I think is one of the best parts of Scream 5. I like, Yes, I feel like yes, they I... really do right by him, um, really do a good job with his arc and how, you know, incorporating sort of the meta-ness of, like, him and Courtney Cox's divorce and, like, sort of what he's been through and, you know, his, his like, alcoholism issues and things okay, like that. Okay, hold on. Did, was he and Courtney Cox actually divorced or just in character? Oh, no, they've been divorced for a long time. Wait, they were married? Yes, <laughs> they were married, and then they got divorced. Yes, I, I, you're, you're staring at me. You really didn't know that? She was. She went by Courtney Cox Arquette no. for a while. Like, on the she opening did? credits of Friends. They're when ser- the hell was that? No, in the 90s, like, around 2000. So they met on Scream, um, and they, I can tell you when they were They married. fall in love in Scream 2. They get married in Scream 3. Is this literally they how it happened? They married in 99. So they married in between Scream 2 and Scream 3. And then they, divo- they, didn't, oh my God. they divorced in 2013. So they were married for 14 oh my years. God. Yeah. Yes, they married 14 years. They only divorced like 10 years ago or nine years ago. I didn't know that. Yeah. So like that's all a part of the meta-ness, like their story. Um and like no, they do really well by Dewey. He gets a lot of time in the first half, and I, I was grateful for that, especially because yeah, I kind of saw it coming. Yeah, when they're talking about this requel, and they even mention Star Wars, mm-hmm. it's like oh, oh you're gonna he's have to kill a legacy Solo. character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he gets to he gets to be right. By the way, he does immediately identify Charlie yes. as the killer. He gets to be right, and then in that hospital scene, um, you know, he gets away, and then he goes back. 
I know. And, and you're that. And so at that moment, especially when he like turns around and goes back out of the elevator, you're like, oh, here it goes. It's done. Yeah. And, and then, it's the same as like Han Solo walking out on that platform mm-hmm, to see Ben. Ha- it's yeah. like, okay, we got to, got to, like, ISO him and just put it all. And he does a really good job of playing sort of like when he realizes he's done, you know, because he's been, yeah. <laughs> it's like both Scream 1 and then definitely Scream 2, um, you know literally end with him it being like oh no don't worry yeah he got the like shit stab- stabbed out of him oh my but god he's okay i know he's... every time he's fucking stabbed and i'm then, like oh my god they're gonna kill dewey and then, nah. and then they, at the very end of the movie there he is on a gurney like <laughs> he'll be okay happened with uh the meeks twins or whatever in scream they, five they where they got they... stabbed pretty brutally and then we just like literally never see them it's I not even like fully... randy and scream one where they come up back up and they're like okay I, yeah no poor randy it's just like, just like oh my god <laughs> It's like the whole ending's happened, everyone's dead, and then here the Meeks comes on the gurney, and they're like, all pretty good. I had fully rem- remembered from a, when I watched it a few months, or not even a few months ago, I like, watched it the week ago, I fully in my head had thought the brother had died. And then oh, when I was yeah. going back and reviewing it, and I was like, oh no, he didn't! He shows back up. Especially because, like, what's the character Liv? His girlfriend mm-hmm. comes back with just completely bloody hands. It's like, I found right. whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, and I, I was like, shit, he must be gone, gone. Yep, no, Pichas. Like, yeah, cause I was, oh, he's I was fine. less shocked about the, like I said, uh, the Mindy, the, the sister, but oh, Chad, his... I couldn't remember the name. Chad. Oh my god, that's right. His name is Chad. Um, and you know who that actor is? Uh, that actor, Mason Gooding. Um, I don't know him. He is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. No, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's in Booksmart. He's the one that. Um... Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh... He is. Yeah, he's in. He's in Booksmart, that is correct. I could picture him. Is he the one that... Oh, and he's uh, in Love, Victor. Not that I watched that, but I can picture him from, like, the ads I've seen for it. So, yeah, he works quite a bit. Booksmart, what's the actor's name? Mason Gooding. Mason Gooding, yeah. I could definitely see it in the smile looking at that. Right, yeah, once you hear it pointed out. Yeah, he's the character that... uh, um, Beanie Feldstein has a crush on. Right, yes. Yeah, that's isn't that funny? Um, It's just funny because it has this movie has him and Jack Quaid in it, Uh, Randy Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. So like, there's a lot of uh, you know juniors. Um, I know we're jumping all over the place. What did you think of um, Skeet Ulrich back, Billy Loomis back in Scream Five? So that was Skeet. It is, it is, you know. They de aged Skeet. Yes, it is. Because he looked weird. Yeah, well, his, he. I wonder he, why. Poor Skeet Ulrich, who, by the way, I think has aged, like, pretty well. He's, he's like, really rugged these days. Um, he's on, or at least was on Riverdale. I don't know if that show is still a going concern or not, but he's been on Riverdale. He was on Riverdale? He's Archie's dad. The, the thing that Riverdale does. Oh, my God, that's right. The thing that Riverdale does that's so fun is it casts all of the parents as people who were teen stars in their day. So, like, it had... That's right. It has Skeet, I've only seen the first Skeet season. Skeet Ulrich as Archie's dad had... Um... Oh, sorry. Take it back. Sorry. Skeet Ulrich is Jughead's dad because he's a, he's yeah, a yeah. gang member. Sorry. Skeet Ulrich is Jughead's dad because Archie's dad was Luke Perry, R.I.P. Um, yeah. So it was, like, Luke Perry, Skeet Ulrich. Um, 
I think it has Machinamic. It has somebody from Twin Peaks. Like it has, it just brings back all these people who were teen stars to be the parents. It's, you know, its own meta thing. Um, But I did, I did not know. I, I was able to stay very spoiler free from Scream 5 for the most part. Um, The only thing I had spoiled for me is that somebody was related to Billy Loomis. Um, It's like I had seen, and I had also, even the trailer was like, there's a line in the trailer that's like, we're all related to somebody from the original massacre or something. So even that yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. like a big reveal. Um, Although they bring in Stu Mocker's nephew and it's like some like weird dude who's like, and I'm like, God, this guy's going to like have to come in and like steal this movie. Just be like this complete foil <laughs> to the, these main characters. He dies the next scene. He dies it's- immediately. Yeah. That's the, that's the Kyle Gallner character. I think he's the guy who gets, yeah, he's the guy who gets killed outside with the car. Um, yeah. So you, that guy won't mean anything to you, probably, but um, he was a major character on Veronica Mars, is what I know him from. So, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the first two seasons of Veronica Mars, he was like a big deal character. So I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, I like that guy, and then dead. He's also in Wet Hot American Summer? I believe, probably, well, the newer one, yeah, probably. He's... No, the 2001 one. Oh, wow. Would have been... A... Child? That's oh. like your favorite movie, Jana. Well, he would have been an actual child. Like that's why well, I was like, "Well, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying." <laughs> yeah, no, I have no memory of him in that, but I also don't think about the kids in that movie at all. <laughs> he plays Bobby's buddy. Oh yes, there you go. That very famous role in that movie. Um, I'm, Who's Bobby? I, I don't even know. Um, but oh, so other than him looking weird, like that—that's so we were talking about earlier how the Scream movies are, like, super grounded in the real world. And now we have someone having visions and, like, sort of being guided by the spirit of their dead murderous father. Like, that's a little bit different for this franchise. sort of... Who's, like, a good guy? Benevolent? That, so that's like the crazy. That. Well, the, this this the, that was one of my biggest problems with just like how Scream Five is working is like yeah. she's escaping Ghostface, right. Sam, the, yeah, the yeah, daughter yeah, of Billy, yeah, Sam, yeah. and she looks in a mirror and sees Billy, and Billy smiles and is like, "You go get her, him or her." It's yeah. Who, well, but then also like basically tells like tells her to go get the. Oh, knife. it's Richie. It's Richie that's coming towards. Yeah, her yeah. At and that so, moment. but basically, she. But basically, he you know, through motioning, convinces her to, like, get the knife and stab the ever-loving shit out of Richie. It's like, become a murderer. Yeah, and so that's, it'll be interesting to see, assuming they bring back uh, the Carpenter sisters, which was their last name, assuming they bring back the Carpenter sisters um, for the next one, um, it'll be interesting to see if we, if it's more of, like, a sort of, is she a, you know, does she have the Good urge to kill that. or something like that because of uh is she like ray skywalker being haunted by ray palpatine <laughs> Ray Palpatine. it's ray palpatine oh my god um being haunted by the Ugh. the uh spirit of billy lewis now what i want is i want mindy to be haunted by the spirit of her dead uncle um <laughs> Like, that would actually be cool. He could, like, tell her about the rules of horror movies and, like, how to help people survive. Um, Because I did, yeah. That I liked. And I also, in Scream 5, really liked the callback to when she's alone to how Randy was attacked in the first one. When, like, she's alone on the couch watching 
the movie. Yeah. And it's like the look behind you, look behind you with it. And she kind of realizes like, oh, crap, I should look behind me. <laughs> it's like, well, good. That's that's how you learn from. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> living through all these movies and all this. Um, um, but yeah, that was a, just, that was a wild choice they made. That was that was just a wild choice they made. Um, they did make that choice. So, no, I forget. So, oh, I never said what my favorite kill was. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because I have so much I want to talk about. I'm just like all over the place. But um, I, yeah, it's kind of it's, like I said, it's hard to argue with the opening of Scream, two. Um, I will shout out Scream four, which I think has a couple of really good kills. Um, Scream four is gnarly, and I like it's real. Like it's. Re- violent and graphic compared to the other ones and i like it references like saw and torture porn you know it's it sort of references yeah. like what's happened in the 2000s um but the allison brie kill in the parking garage in scream 4 it's a good i one. think it's pretty good also oh my god the, the um what was allison brie doing in 2011 i do not know where community. her fame status she was so community 100%. was in 2000 this would have been like season three or something of community oh okay um, because community started when I was 2009. in law school. Yeah. So there you go. So Okay. Oh, this also would have been middle of Mad Men. Also, community and Mad Men. So this is like height of Alice. Breeze and Mad Men? Alice Breeze and Mad Men, yes. She is uh, Pete Campbell's wife. Trudy. Trudy Campbell. She's good. Oh, She's not like a regular. She's not in every episode. You Never seen Mad Men? Not, not for you? No. Although I did see Danny Poop. Putty or Pootie? Pootie. Pootie show up in Gilmore Girls. Um, oh, sure. A couple days ago. He works in the newspaper. And he I was like. does. Very briefly. Oh, man. <laughs> um, in the part of Gilmore Girls that I don't watch. Um, but yes, he is there. Um, but so Allison. And then the other kill in Scream 4 that's super disgusting is uh, when the cops get killed. And I, I the, the Anthony Anderson and um, Adam Brody. Oh, yeah. Adam uh, Anthony Anderson getting stabbed in the oh, forehead. Oh my god! Gnarly. <laughs> it's so gross. Like and that. Co- well, when Anthony Anderson shows up as a cop protecting people in the screen movie, I'm like, that guy is gonna get wrecked. I know. Like, of course, it's Anthony Anderson. I know. And um, I that whole sequence, and then when they're like going around the back of the house and like trying, you know, they're sort of trying to be responsible. Like, we should check these things, and then oh, they just get they get real killed. Um, but I would say for me the the sequence that has always sort of like scared me the most and i think has been like the one of the best constructed going back to scream 2 is the escape out of the cop car when the cop car crashes in scream 2 and they have to climb over the like passed out ghost face that is like pure suspense yeah exactly it's just like pure suspense like hold your breath like can't like hard to watch uh sequence that's probably like the scariest thing for me and basically the whole series um really freaks me out um all right so we talked but then they go back it's like you're so dumb well and um her roommate um the actress's name is elise neal but i'm blanking on the is it maddie name it is hallie hallie um when when sydney's like um Sydney's like, you know, I, I want to go back and see who it is. And she's like, no, we got to run. Smart people run. We're smart people. And like, so yeah. they're, they're, they're lampshading it where they're like, no, no, no. I know. We're smart. We're it. smart people would run. And then, of course, Sydney's like, I got to know who it is. And it's like, 
yeah, but you got to live to see who it, yeah, well, gets, gets her poor roommate killed. So good job with that, Sydney. Yeah. You guys could have just You were the smart one and you got, you got the boy. <sighs> yeah. Um. Which I will say, the, and these, Ghostface uses a knife. Movies based on Ghostface is called Step. Mm-hmm. At least half the deaths are by gun. Oh, a, lot like. of, a lot of shootings. So that's something that, I don't know if you saw, there was like an absolutely terrible take going around recently about how like, poor movies have so much gun violence in them now and it sort of talks about like the Halloween the the new Halloween movies and like Laurie is like armed to the teeth and you know has sure. guns and it's all pro gun and they mention like the new scream and people rightly were like look guns guns are bad and it's it's good to have an opinion that guns are bad but you can't write an article about this new trend of guns in horror movies and use Scream 5 as an example when the first Scream movie is all about like getting your hands on a gun <laughs> and like yeah. she shoots the shit out of people. She uh in Scream 2, she shoots Laurie Metcalf just straight up point blank in the forehead just to make sure she's dead. <laughs> like she's probably dead and she just shoots her right in the forehead anyway just to be sure. Yeah. Like no, this movie this for for better and or worse, um, this series has always been like, it's it's mostly stabbings. Ghostface is not going around in a mask shooting people. Um, and thank God for I that. I will say there but... was a moment in Scream 5 that I got really excited about what it might do. Mm-hmm. Which was, I thought, when, uh, what is it, Amber is like begging mm-hmm. for her life and stuff. I was like, I don't think they're going to kill her. Like, I was like, oh, no. sure. Let a killer live? Like, yeah, just like, be like, yeah, these are just pathetic, depressed people that are just being yeah. fucking terrifying, and they're just weak. Yeah. Just like, fucking humble them, let them go in a cop car right. and let go them, to yeah. jail. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been a new direction, rather than having, having the ghost face killers die, absolutely, like, just then we, then we have to watch Neve Campbell and Gail shoot them, like, multiple times and set them on fire. <laughs> It's like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah, they went in a different direction from letting her live, <laughs> which was shooting her a million times and setting her on fire. It was a little <laughs> different direction they went there. Um, yeah. no, And it, she still lives. Yeah. Um, the my, I really thought, I, I try to not watch movies this way, but like Scream really does sort of invite it, where I was like trying to figure out what they were going to do differently. Um, I really thought there was going to be three killers this time. Just because we, oh, really? we, had, we hadn't done it yet. We've, it's usually two, but one time it was one. What if this time it was three? Um, and then an idea I heard somebody else say, um, I can't if it was on Twitter or on a different podcast, where someone's theory that also would have been cool was what if there were two ghost faces, but they weren't working together? Like, oh, yeah, that would have been a great idea. Right? Like, just two people started, you know, because people just seem to get this idea to put on the ghost face costume and start killing. What if two people started doing that and they weren't working together and they were just, like, both running around? Um, okay, I, I remember something about Scream 5 that was one of my favorite moments, which is when they, they go to this house and um, at some point one of them realizes it's Stu's house. Oh, my God. House. The reveal when they, like, pan out of the house. House. And like, it's, like, like, right when Sam is walking around a corner to, like, the main staircase. The main staircase. The main, and you were just, like... I, like, jumped oh, off shit. my sofa. Like, that... that. And it, and it, and it zooms out the front door yep. to, like, the front porch and the, the yard. And you're, like... It, it's... No. It's, like... It's, like, a character reveal. It's literally as if... Yeah, it is, like, it, a character it's reveal. It's literally as if, like... 
you know, Stu himself had walked around the corner. But I that as soon as you said that, like that moment was so burned in my brain where it comes around the corner, you see the staircase, and then it pans out the door, and it's like dun dun dun, and it's just like the front of the house. <laughs> There's like Dutch angles. It, it, like, it goes. They it go. It works. They it's, go, it's insane, but it works. It's it is, and it's. It's crazy that it does work because, yeah, it's so over the top, but it's such a good reveal. Yeah. And it's funny because until then, you're kind of just like, well, this house has the same vibe. You know, it's there in Woodsboro. Like, it has, like, a same well, vibe. Well, yeah, and also, like, all the houses have always had that sort of, like... And it's right after the line sort of, of like, why don't you go downstairs? It's, like, right, like, it's, it's sort of this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, well, wait a minute. And then right as you're maybe catching on, then they tell you that it's for real and... Ugh. Good yeah, stuff. That, that's a really good moment um, in that movie for sure. Um, oh, another thing I wanted to mention sort of that, that runs through these movies that I love so much is the way they do the the closing credit curtain calls where every movie ends with like, I, I love a movie in general that ends with the names next to the pictures. Um, sure. I love how these movies do them. It's an abomination in four when they abandon the original font and do this like weird, like different style for the Horrible. credits. Awful. They bring Docked back, points. They come back in five. They bring back my girl Nev in five and the uh, good credits and everything. But five is the first one. I think five is the first one. I don't think they do this in four where our original trio are the with and the and. So like where they fully moved sure. on. Before it's always been David Arquette. Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and then like the rest of the. It's cast. always interesting that David Arquette gets first. First build. build. It's like I think they just like they do the three of them alphabetically. And it's wild that it's not Nev Campbell first build, um, but then it's, especially in Scream One because like I said, I Scream know. One, she really is yeah. the main character, and David yeah. and Courtney are like absolutely there. And then in Scream, but then in Scream Five they do the new cast, and then it's with. Uh, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and Nev Campbell. So they're they're yeah. transitioning them to being the you know our our legacy characters now going forward. Yeah. Uh, so do you think they kill Sydney in six and then Gail in seven or something? I, you know, I've thought about it. I I don't, but who knows? Like I'm kind of just like, and I know that's like essentially what happened in the Star movies where they just killed one person per movie although I don't I don't think they would have killed uh, Princess Leia I don't think they would have killed Carrie Fisher if they had had any I am certain they would have killed Princess Leia you think they would have killed her in 9 no matter what I don't think so I don't think so I don't think they would have killed her in 9 if they had not had their hands forced by her actual unfortunate untimely passing 100% Um, why it's because ter- they're it's one a movie. Okay, well that's terrible though. I hate that. Like if that's really, I always hated it. Yeah, that's I guess that's why I don't believe they would have done it because like I think that would be like objectively just a terrible thing. I think you have to have somebody live. Like it would be like the like you know over here kind of advisor person. Um, well, I hope they don't do that because I think that's very dumb. I don't I don't think you should have a quota of killing off one person per movie. <laughs> I think that sucks. Um, I think it made sense for Dewey's character. Um, you know, I, you could keep them all around too, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't believe they were actually married in real life. Yeah. For 14 years. I can't believe you didn't know that. That is a uh, crazy. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, again. I, it might shock you to realize I don't have much of a relationship with David Arquette and Courtney Cox. No, I mean, it doesn't. But like, I don't know. I guess just like, yeah, I guess they just weren't really, like it wasn't that high profile by the time they divorced. But yeah, I don't know. Married for a long time. But so yeah, that's what's meta. And then like, after they got divorced, and then he did go to rehab and stuff, and so it's like when you got divorced and crawled. You went to a... rehab. Yeah, David Arquette. Oh God, yeah. What so, happened? Alcoholic. So when they say that line, "You got divorced and crawled into a bottle," like that's all. Yeah, that's. It's all uh, based on his okay. real. All that stuff's based on real life. Like, yeah. Great. I wonder how he felt through that. <laughs> um, you know, I get the sense that, like, you know, one, I don't think any of these people um, at this stage, like had to come back if they didn't want to or didn't like the oh, story yeah, yeah, or anything sure. like that. So um plus the whole the whole Arquette family. Did you know that the guy who plays the um sheriff, the the head cop in charge in Scream Two is his dad? That's Louis Arquette. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. So Oh, talking about random like cameo people. Henry Winkler as the <laughs> principal in Scream One had no memory of that. When he came in I was yeah. like Hank it's so weird. And it's so weird that he's there. Um, it's weird that he gets killed. Like, it kind of doesn't really fit like, in with the why anything else happens. It's like, why is this necessary? Like, Well, we could put in, like, you know, he's a teen star, so they're going to... Sure. And also but, having... like, you're right. Like, the whole uh, like, Billy and Stu, Stuart... Yeah, why didn't Stu and Billy bother to do that? Um, but yeah. it does give... Um, the the great moment when he pops into the hallway because he hears a creepy noise and uh, is, is like shouting and then looks over and there's a Wes Craven cameo where Wes Craven is playing the yeah. school janitor the school in a Fred, in a Freddy Krueger sweater um, and Henry and Henry I didn't even notice the Freddy Krueger sweater and he says and he's like sorry not you Fred and goes back into his office yeah yeah so, yeah no yeah, but like when, he, when it came on screen I was like. Oh my god, I think that's Wes that's Craven. That's Wes Craven, like, and he's yeah, playing, a, playing a school janitor, which is what Freddy Krueger was, wearing a little Freddy Krueger sweater. So, like, it's very, yeah. it's, it's one of the most, um, they also have a, I can't remember which character it was earlier in the movie, talks about the Elm Street movie. Oh, maybe it's, maybe it's in the Drew Barrymore scene, but somebody has the line. Craven must have had, Craven's like the winner of Scream. He must have yeah. had just the biggest blast making yeah. these movies. There's, there's a line. Making fun of horror. There's a line about Nightmare on, the Nightmare on Elm Street series saying the first one was good, the rest sucked. Because he, Wes Craven only did the first one. So, yeah, you know, yeah. um, they they refer at one point later, someone says you're starting to sound like some Wes Carpenter flick. Um, so oh they, my God, they that love line. making that joke. Um, so, yeah, I it that's always been my thing about these movies um, is that I think they're just fun. Like, they're you know, they're there's mm-hmm. scary moments. They're actually fun. Some can be a little too cute by half. But um generally are something that I I just get a big kick out of. And yeah, for me, like just the nostalgia factor of it is is pretty wild. Um with Scream One and Two, especially. Like, what a time capsule, the nineties man. Um I, I wrote down some of the Kevin Williamson y lines um from the first couple movies especially. Um where is it Stu? So it's either Stu or Billy. It's the millennium motives are incidental. Or maybe it's Randy who says that. Also made me laugh because I, I was like, it's 1996. How how? Yeah, what how are you long, doing talking about? It, it's not the millennium yet. Let's calm down. <laughs> Give it a couple of years. 
<laughs> um, and then another line is someone saying the 90s is no time to play hero. And I'm just like, oh, these movies, like, they really hit that 90s sweet spot. <laughs> like, I, don't even, yeah. I don't even know what that means. It's the 90s. It's no time to play hero. All right, sure. We're in a cynical world. Oh, I, I, I had a, a quick question about the cast again. Yes. So no one else knows this except Nick, but we did play a guessing game on presidents from the butler. Oh, right. And you could not get Leave Schreiber. I know. And you were like, I forgot my Cotton Weary because I gave you, he was in Scream. I, and I was like... I was, I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, Jamie Kennedy didn't play a president in the butler? Like, well, so here's what I was going to say. But he's barely in Scream. That's what... And I, he, he's, he's a bigger role in two, but, but he's, he's still, not a main role. So that's what I was going to say is he's... Well, he's... I mean... He's literally barely in frame. The fact that he gets in the clo- in the closing credits title card, he gets a little picture in his name, is hilarious. Because well, the only he, time he we basically see is him, like Vincent D'Onofrio in JFK, where it's just like, oh, it's he's on the news. Yeah, and he, and he doesn't even talk. We just see him <laughs> in the back of a police car, and it's his face. No speaking lines. It could have been an extra. So I'm assuming that they maybe. Like in, in some version of the story, knew he would be coming or back. Just in some version, they were like, "Eh, maybe we want to if we, if, you know, they want we want to have a scene where, you know, who knows what." But like, they, they definitely wanted something more for that character. But what's funny is I when we when I couldn't remember Liv Schreiber the other like a couple months ago, I was like, "Oh, that's so terrible because he's such a big part of Scream 2. And then when I rewatched Scream Two, which again I've seen twenty five times, when I watched it this week, I'm like. He's in less of this than I remembered. He's in that he's scene. He's probably got 10 minutes of screen time. He's, he, which is he's in, not nothing. He's in three scenes. He's in the scene at the beginning when yes. Gail, uh, like, you know, surprises Sydney and Cotton's like, what the Do hell? Gail stuff. Yeah, and Cotton's like, what the hell? You told me this was arranged. Then he has the really, I think, a really good scene when he confronts her in the library. Um, mm-hmm. Which is hilarious where he, like, basically begs to be arrested. <laughs> because I'm like, God, how did gonna go for you you're like shouting at her in the library she has a personal security detail come on buddy um i guess he has four scenes because then that goes into his interrogation at the police station um and then of course and then of course he shows up at the end at the very end it's very pivotal i will say to the ending very much so i I do like how after you know he basically tells sydney like he acts like he's maybe gonna let sydney die um, and then Sydney's like, "Fine, I'll I'll do publicity with you." And then after and afterwards, he tries to be like, "I, it's just, I, I, it's I, was, so I was always gonna let you." She's like, "Whatever, Cotton." Like, <laughs> uh, I know where he's just like, "Hmm, you know, maybe I will let you die." I was like, "Oh, come on, Jesus." He's yeah, I'd forgotten sort of how absolutely crazy he is, which kind of makes the beginning of Scream which, Three very funny. Because you were like, "Oh, my poor Cotton Weary." I'm like, "Yeah." about poor gotten weird yeah because I, I was like oh i wish he'd stick around longer and then it's like especially now when you watch the beginning of scream 3 and he's clearly some sort of like horrible talk radio type you're just like <laughs> i mean it's great i love what they do with his character um oh yeah it's awesome yeah scream 3 is great yeah but i would yeah i just at the time remember being disappointed because i thought he was going to stick around more and then yeah again it opens with him and you're like Oh, are, are they changing the, the structure of these movies? Oh, no, they're not. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Cotton. Um, but, yeah. What did you think of the, the, the Randy video in Scream 3? The, the from beyond oh, yeah. the grave rule of trilogies uh, scenario. Eh. Not my favorite. Yeah. You, when, when, when they do the monologue in about, like, 
you know what a, the rules of a scary movie are, I'm always kind of checking out. But when they're making a scary movie and the scary movie's coming to life, now nah, nah, that's, that's funny. Whereas I'm like, I was like making the movies too much. I like all the conversation about it. My one of my absolute favorite scenes in Scream Two is the one-on-one Dewey Randy conversation when they're like when they watch the scene from Stab and then the the interview with uh, Tori Spelling, which. Uh-huh. One thing that jumped out at me this time that was very depressing was like, there's a brutal double murder on the opening night of Stab. And I was like, they would not be continuing to just promote this movie with jokey interviews on no. TV about it. Like, it w- there'd be news stories about it, and the movie might maybe would have been pulled. They definitely wouldn't be doing press about it. Like, and it, it's just sad that, like, since then, I'm like, oh, we've kind of been through this. Like, and now we kind of know what would actually happen if something yeah. like that went down. Whereas now, even though there was a horrible murder, like, a week later, we're getting, like, an Entertainment Tonight interview with Tori Spelling. <laughs> Although, it does give us the Luke Wilson uh as oh, the Luke Wilson Billy is so good. Scene. Yeah. Um, but that scene, when we watch that, and then it cuts to Dewey and Randy watching it, and Randy's just like, nah, I'll wait for video. Um, and they that's when they do the breakdown of, like, the rules of sequels and who could be the killer this time. Yeah. Um, and again, Randy's like, Mickey, creepy Tarantino film student Mickey. And then he only shuts it down by saying, but if he's a suspect, so am I. So let's move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, see, you don't have any good uh, you don't have any good reason why it's not him, because obviously it is him. He's a creepy guy. <laughs> and this was two years before my other beloved Timothy Oliphant movie, Go, came out in 99. This is like in a real... Oh, yeah, your, your top four favorite. Oh, my God. Top four favorite Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> where So Timothy Oliphant in 97 plays a psychotic serial killer. And then in 99, he plays a like sexy but not good guy drug dealer. And then in the next decade, makes a hard pivot to... Uh, law enforcement officers which has basically been his yeah. career since then like it's just really funny that he sort of broke out being like i have a real creeper criminal energy and then the second half of his career is like no i enforce the law it's like all right <laughs> whatever works man um but yeah i um uh, that scene in particular for no good reason when um when Rand- when randy's like you know if he's a suspect so am i so let's move on and then dewey's like well let's not move on like what if you are a suspect? And then Randy's entire response, well, if I'm a suspect, you're a suspect. And David Arquette, it's my favorite David Arquette movie, like at the moment in the entire series where he just goes, you have a point. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> and they just like tip it away. It's like, ah, oh, these goofy movies. I love them so much. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I like, I'm trying to think of what else here is in the notes that we haven't talked about oh i wanted to talk a little bit about we mentioned it a little bit about sydney as a character like especially compared to other you know your your laurie strodes and your other sort of final girls that get revisited a lot um and again sydney is so different because she's not being haunted by a manifestation of evil (laughs) like she just has been through some really shitty stuff (laughs) that like yeah for some reason keeps making her the target of killers um but it really stuck out to me on this rewatch in particular that like she from very early on i mean yes she's in a scary movie so she makes dumb decisions because you know she's in a scary movie but like from very early on like she does try to be sort of smart and pragmatic about everything and like she's not super afraid but she does seem to sort of like you know she she seems to like have her wits about her a lot more than I think a lot of 
characters in her position would. And I really like her, like, in in Scream 2 when she's answering the phone and she has, like, early caller ID <laughs> and is just, like, turning it around on yeah. people and is like, crank calls is a violation of such and such section of the penal code. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's just, I, I think that's one of the things that keeps the series going and why I really don't want them to kill her. Like, if for some reason, Nev Campbell is like, I'm done. Like, send me out in a blaze of glory. Like, okay. Um, I don't want that for Sydney. I want Sydney to just, like, yeah, keep chilling. She's too smart. She's got to survive. So yeah. that's my take on her. What haven't we talked about yet? Do you have anything else you wanted to mention no, or highlight? I got my Scream 3. Scream <laughs> You're like, I stood out. up for Scream 3. Um, did you have fun watching all the movies, even if they were repetitive by yeah. the end? Yeah, no. I, I, I wish I could have spaced them out more, but yeah. I'm, just, do what you I'm do. just so glad that you loved Scream 2. Um, oh, yeah, it's the best one. I was telling you, I put in our notes that I did for the episode, I inserted that Scream 2 poster there just as a reminder to myself. Yeah. I had a full theater one-sheet size of that poster in my room when I was in high school. So that wow. huge Scream 2 poster with the two with the Jada and Nev Campbell faces and then the cast, just full-size Wait, poster. that's Jada and Nev Campbell? Yeah, the two big faces in the back. I thought that was Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox. No, that's Jada on the left. It's Jada on the left. Okay, I will take your word for it because I can barely tell. Yeah. Yeah, that is... Because sadly, I tell, thought the one on the left tell, was Nev and tell, the one on the right was No, you can Courtney. tell by the eyebrow shapes because Nev has that like flat and then sort of arched oh. eyebrow and Jada has that like very round eyebrow. Also, again... Glad you picked up I had a, I had a like literally one of these suckers just on my uh on my wall as a teenager so i have seen that poster in in huge size uh for a long sure. time um but yeah so, you could really study it so i i i'm so happy like, like I, I was telling you when it sort of first started i was like i was really worried i was like oh you're really gonna hate this but like it's so like it's just such a fun I definitely movie. didn't hate it it was pretty good yeah and like Oh, Scream 2? Scream yeah. 2's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would be glad you love Scream 2. Well, Scream 2, like, especially, yeah. By the time you get to the end and all the crazy uh, Mrs. Lu- oh, the reveal when when uh, Debbie Salt, when Laurie Metcalf comes out. And it's, Mrs. Loomis. And it's Sydney, because she's the one who would know, who goes, Mrs. Loomis. Yeah. And you're just like, what? What the fuck? So we didn't, I guess, I guess the last thing, um, because it's a good uh place to talk about it is uh we did like your favorite in terms of the actual killers the ghost faces and their various motives and things um did you have a favorite out of our our actual killers since there's nine different killers to choose from i'd say billy's one yeah billy's just so good it's kind of hard to beat yeah Honestly, even though I kind of saw it coming, I liked Richie in Scream Five. Yeah, that act that actor's so good. Yeah, I was so good. Um, no, the, and the best part is when it's revealed that he's the killer, and he goes, "I know, it's a bummer." And it's a real <laughs> bummer. It's it a indeed. real bummer because you're like, "Oh, you're so charming," and I was afraid it was going to be you, and that it was you. Um, I like. What's his name? What's the actor's name? Jack Quaid. Oh, that's right. That's the Quaid yeah. guy. I, I lo- he really looks like Meg Ryan. He does. 
I like that in both Scream 2, I, I didn't put this together until I rewatched Scream 2 yesterday, both Scream 2 and Scream 5, the pair of killers meet on the internet, on message boards. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, because in... I, I Scream 2, because you know, the killers always like represent like what the theme is mm-hmm. in the movie sort of going right. forward. I loved the combo of Oliphant and Loomis, which at first I was like... How in the fuck? Because it's like, so disparate. What, what yeah, the... they have two completely but, different But it comes back to, like, one of them is like, oh, I can, like, get away with it because I can blame it on the movies. And the other one's, like, a concerned parent yeah. that did blame the movie right. for the horrible things that happened. And is, like, and is totally... Fucking brilliant. And she is using him more or less the way that, like, Billy used Stu. Like, it's, it's in both exactly. cases, it's like, okay, I, I have this intense personal revenge motive, and I am going to basically manipulate somebody who already has psychotic tendencies and just get them to uh, do some killing for me. But yeah, that Mickey's whole thing where like, there's going to be a trial and I'm going to blame the movies and I'm going to get caught and be a big star. Mrs. Loomis is like, oh, buddy. No, no you're really, there's you're, no trial. You're really not. There's no trial. And then just takes him out is. Wastes him. In pearls she wastes I know. him. <laughs> and then yet somehow he's our killer who jumps back up. It's, I just got it so funny. It makes me laugh every time. Um, and then, yeah, on Scream 5, they meet on basically, like, fake Reddit. Um, yeah, yeah. And we didn't even talk about how the – so, just, yeah, Scream 1 is, you know, personal revenge with psychotic best friend. Scream 2 is mother's revenge with, like, psycho attention-seeking blame-the-movies film student. Scream 3 is more weird family revenge. <laughs> um, and then Scream 4 is, again, family, a lot of, a lot of family connections. Um it seems like everyone has a family connection and a thematic connection. Well, and, I always like the thematic connection more than the family connection. Right. And then Scream 4 is another one where it's a this is so Scream 5 is the first time where the two killers seem are like are a true like just pair of people who decide to do it because Scream 4 the Jill the Jill Roberts character like she it's, it's her motive, her cousin, she wants to be the victim and she kind of just manipulates Charlie into doing it cuz like yeah. he's a follower. Um, yeah. And then it isn't until the fifth one where it's like, no, we, you know, we are toxic fans who met online and think movies are bad and we're going to kill a bunch of people to get our favorite film franchise back on track. And like, it's dark as hell, but it's it's pretty good for a, a 2021, 2022 uh, yeah. <laughs> meta villain uh, motivation. So, yeah, I'm for sure. I'm excited. And you haven't. Um, and yeah, so we mentioned very briefly that this first one is the first one with no Wes Craven, no, sorry, I saw, sorry, I saw a uh, MLB alert on my watch that said blockbuster trade, but it doesn't look a real blockbuster trade. I think it's just whatever. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) What is it? Uh, The twins acquired Sonny Gray and Francis Piguro from the Reds for Chase Petty, who was the first round draft pick. Talk to me in 2015 when Sonny Gray was like right. that's a why I was like good sorry, baseball player. MLB. I know we're excited that baseball's back, but let's not call that a blockbuster trade. Um, so, so sorry. Oh, final 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 notes. Now that I've said that three times and we've been going almost 90 minutes, um, they have the character whose name is Wes in uh, Scream Five. Uh, the guy who with with the jokey scares until he finally gets killed. The oh yeah yeah, yeah. who and we didn't even, the one that's the sh- the, sh- the, the do- female the, sheriff. Uh, yeah, we didn't even talk about how they brought back Marley Shelton um, as yeah. the what you call it as the the deputy who became the sheriff. Um, oh, I also really liked 
saying I really liked her kill sounds terrible because hers is like so awful. Um, but that was another really like effective one when she's like rushing home to save her son and then she can't. And it's one of yeah. the very rare daylight ghost face kills where she is killed in the middle of the day outside by Ghostface. It's it's really just her and Randy, I think, are the only like what I can think yeah. of as like full daylight like Ghostface comes out and kills somebody. Um, it feels very incongruous in these movies for me when that happens. Like, really takes me back. Um, but that was a pretty gnarly kill. But her son, um, that character's name is... Where'd you go, Wes? Wes Hicks is that character's name, played mm-hmm. by Dylan Minnette, um, who's been in a lot of things. I know him from the final season of Lost, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, and... So after he's killed, and then when they're all gathering at the house at the end, and they all do a cheer to Wes, and it's very nice because it's like they're cheering Wes Craven because this is the first movie since, and it has four Wes at the end of the movie as well. But this movie was made by the guys, um, the directing duo of Matt Bentinelli Olbin and Tyler Gillett, better known as Radio Silence, um, who made my... You did your very precious movie. My very precious Ready or Not um, and so I'm very happy for them. This is such a big success, and they're going to come back and make another one. So, um, and I think they did a good job of sort of keeping, they did. like, taking over a franchise that's had this, like, it's not that common for a horror franchise to have the same director for four installments. And so to come in yeah. and try to keep that tone and vibe, like, I think they did a good job, um, you know, while transitioning it into the more modern context. So, yeah. I think that was it. Do you have any other final, final notes? I think I'm good. Okay. Is there anything else we wanted to... Oh, Kevin Smith showing up. Oh, yeah. I just... <laughs> like, that's just Thank some you. time capsule stuff. I mean, it's fine. I, You know that I, I have... I'm, I am of a certain age, and so, you know, I, I can't be too hard on the guy, but... uh that's just a real time capsule moment where it's like okay let's uh we didn't talk about uh, you told me but we didn't shout out the carrie fisher um cameo oh, speaking God, of carrie so fisher um yeah that's a, a a really fun one so they they do have some fun with the cameos um especially in three so the carrie fisher one is is quite good i think oh my god that kevin smith tweet <laughs> i don't need to talk about that right now um all right i think I think we covered anything. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up today? Nope. Oh, are you there? I think we're good. Oh, sorry. You, you were. You were. Oh, you, um, you froze too. I know. I was like, oh my god. If, if we lose our connection, we've had. I almost said something at the beginning of this recording about how we. It's been so long since we've had terrible. We used to have terrible technical difficulties like every god, other episode. Um, and it hasn't happened in so long. Well, it's part of it. God, this is very boring. But it's also because, like, during the height of the pandemic, when, like, everyone was at their houses all the time, like, my poor, densely populated grid here just could not handle it. And so I was losing service and everything all the time. It doesn't happen much anymore. So that's good. And plus, Nick lives in a place where things, like, snow him in. So (laughs) that's a separate uh, technology issue. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is it for this episode. Um, Thanks for watching all the Scream movies. That was fun. It was good. Um, And thanks to anyone listening for joining us on another little uh, tangenty episode. 
But like I said, we'll be getting back to regularly scheduled programming um, pretty soon here. Um, we have, uh, I believe, Lawrence of Arabia coming up. That's a pretty good movie. That'll be a fun one to watch and talk about. So we've got some good stuff coming up as we get out of our hopefully crazy scheduling uh, situation and back onto some more regularly scheduled programming. So until Woo-hoo. next time, people can find us um, at on Twitter and Letterboxd at Great Movies Pod. Um, I still don't know where people can find our good friend Scott Brady and his artwork. We'll keep you posted on that. Um, Scott could have just hung on for a couple more weeks. The lockout would, end, would have ended and he still would have had his Twitter account. Yeah. Ah, Scott. Uh, <laughs> we'll let you know where you can find his art again sometime soon. Um, and then, oh, sorry. Final, final thing. Oh, my God. I was about to wrap up the podcast. Uh, Scream series as a whole. Oh. Thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> no, we got to do it movie by movie. Oh, my God. Okay. Scream 1, thumbs up. Up. Scream 2, thumbs up. Up. Scream 3, thumbs up. Up. Gentle up from me. Scream 4, thumbs up or down? Down. Gentle up from Uh, me. It's very middle. Middle thumb. It's very thumbs up. That's kind of where I'm at on 3. I have it at a 3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Okay, that's not a thumbs down. But, okay, for the Scream franchise, I'll say down. Okay, in this context, as opposed to movies. Yeah. Fair enough. And then Scream 5. Back to up. Not bad. Okay, very good. Um, Do you want to do your star rankings for each of them? Okay. Three. Three and a half. Three. Two and a half. Three. Four. Four. Two and a half. Two and a half. Three is probably where I'm at. So... Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I give them all a thumbs up. So it's just, I got to, yeah. and, and Scream 1 and 2 are fully just like four out of four or five out of five um, perfect yeah. movies for me. I can't, like, it's so funny. This week, you know what I should have done? I should have sat down and rewatched Scream 3 and 4, the ones that I've seen the least. You know what I did? I just watched Scream 1 and 2 again <laughs> for the 18 <laughs> Rewatch Scream 3, it's the Best. I watched it on. Sands the third I watched act. it on Halloween this past year because I had some friends who'd never seen it, um, uh-huh. and so we watched it. Um, and I had not seen it. I'd, I was I'd really happy with Scream Three. I'm, I'm glad. I think that's nice. Like I said, it definitely, it definitely has its defenders. You're not totally like on an island. There are a lot of people who are like. You know who else defends it? Oh God, who? David Sims, baby. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I guess I did see that on Letterboxd. Um, yeah, a hand- I did see that too, and I was like, thank a God. A handful of people I, I follow on Twitter, um, like, stand up for it. And so I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll keep giving it another shot. I'll, I'll revisit it and see. But none of these movies are bad. They're all good. Finally, with all of our business wrapped up, Roger out. Roger out. <laughs> Woo, that was fun. And when I go to the movies... I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, it was either going to be 90 minutes or, like, nine hours was basically where I was at. Because it was just like... I got to sort of stay very high level. Otherwise, I'm going to be like, okay, so in the third kill in Scream 2, it's like we, we're not doing a 10-part uh, podcast. Or, 
Okay, so Omar Evans's character is first. Um, sorry, oh my god, Omar Epps. Phil, his name is Phil Stevens. And then Maureen is second. And so, is it Sarah Michelle Geller? It must be, right? Yeah. Her scenes, oh, we didn't even talk about, I have it all in the notes, but we didn't even talk about, like, she's watching Nosferatu on the TV, you know? Like, it's, it's, there you go. I, I will, I will bring up how it screamed, too. Because, yeah, this, she would have made this in between seasons one and two of Buffy. So, like, she had just become Buffy when they, uh, well, yeah, when this uh, came out. So there's all kinds of stuff like that tucked away in there. Uh, what did you think of young uh, young Portia de Rossi, super young Lindsay Bluth as one of the sorority girls? Who's doing... Are you serious? You've watched Arrested... De- You've watched Arrested Development, right? Okay, so Portia de Rossi, who plays Lindsay Bluth, she's the sorority girl who has, like, the, like, super blonde ponytail but, like, kind of dark eyebrows... And it's just like, oh, my God, you have to come to our party. And, like, it's it's wild that it's her. It's so funny. Um, yeah, like I said, could have just talked about this, like, forever. Um, we didn't even talk about what are you doing with the cellular telephone, son. Everyone's got one, Sheriff. Like, yeah. Well, and the job. So in 1996, in Scream... It is like a clue that somebody has a cell phone and he might be the killer. And then by Scream 2, in the scene when before Randy gets killed, everyone on the courtyard is on a cell phone. And they're running from person to person. And it's one year apart. It just goes to show like, that was the tipping point where it went from, like, it was crazy to have a cell phone in 96 to by 97. I don't know. Adults have cell phones. Like, like what a what a time capsule that is. Um, uh, yeah, just uh, just good stuff. What a, what a franchise. That was fun. So, all right. Yes, you do. Oh, my God, I'm still recording. 